And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Great show for you guys today. I like doing this every year in some way, shape, or form. I think I used to write it. And then we've done podcasts about it. We did one last year. Now that we've had the final four teams in the NFL set, I wanted to talk about the lessons that we can learn from what those final four teams look like, how they're constructed, what their coaching staffs look like, anything, anything about the way that they got here. What can we learn from it? And to help me do that today, I am thrilled to welcome two of my good friends. First of all, our good buddy, Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, bud? I'm I'm doing very well. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see once another guy comes on. The third man of this group, you know, the unknown third man that's going to leg drop Macho Man Randy Savage and turn heel on us. He's coming out. Um, but he no, started I'm, heel. There's no there's no heel turn necessary for our next guest. <laughs> True. Yeah, I might have to find a switch fake turn. Um, I know because uh, the other comparison. This was for Barnwell. I was going to say oh, spoilers. Uh, I was going to say uh, uh, I'm the X Pac of this group. So like that. That's where I really feel. <laughs> I feel at home here. But no, I'm so excited. We did this last year. You mentioned it a couple weeks ago. You're like, hey, you want to. Barmo back and I was like, "Hell yeah, <laughs> let's do that." That was so much fun to do. So I'm thrilled for this episode. Again, I've spoiled the guest twice already. So here we are. <laughs> if you guys haven't figured Nate, it out, the other person joining us today is Bill Barnwell from ESPN. <laughs> Barnwell, how you doing? Nate, to be clear, you would be the sixth of ah, the, the group because Xbox is the wrong company. <laughs> Syxx. <laughs> S-Y-X-X. Uh, how how long do you think we could talk about wrestling to start this show before Maze would insist that we stop? We, uh, I mean, we can get going. Uh, we talk about CM Punk walking his dog. Every, every, every year, I feel like I come on this show and I'm like, could Nate and I pull a hostile takeover in Bid Show somehow and convince Maze that it's no longer his podcast? If, um, if you guys want it, it's yours. <laughs> you guys can take it. I'm good. So we have some Leeds United talk. And yes. we're going to talk about, you know, some winter transfer moves for the USMT players, USMT yep. players, you know, that I think that's how we lead off the show. Um, I think it's a good time to do that. There's nothing else going on in sports. You know, golf. We're going to talk about the in. dual nationals yes. who might be joining the US national yes. team. And we got an interesting um, uh, camp roster, you know, coming off the World Cup, you know, got an interesting. All righty. That's our limit. <laughs> <laughs> One so, minute. We're going to switch off here. We're just going to kind of bounce okay. around, each toss out, you know, a lesson, a takeaway, however we want to frame these about the final four teams. Barnwell, you are a guest here. Why don't okay. you start us off? When you were looking at these four teams, what is the first thing that jumped out to you about them? Okay. For the Kansas City Chiefs, the key to their success is that they have Amir Smith-Marset on the practice squad. <laughs> They're 11, 11 and 1 since he showed up. You get it. You get it. You get it. No, okay. Here here is one I will Uh, give you that is controversial that I've written about in the past. And I don't know that I even agree with, but I do feel like we have a case study 
in making that work in San Francisco. And of course, the Niners could not have expected that they would be here with Brock Purdy as their quarterback. But years ago, when the Rams were about to pay Jared Goff, when the Eagles were about to pay Carson Ooh. Wentz, mm-hmm. when you had a bunch of quarterbacks who were not making much money, who were about to get raises, I wrote about, hey, is there ever going to be a team that says, instead of paying our quarterback and having to cut back elsewhere, we're going to keep all those expensive players in other positions and try to stay cheap at quarterback. Now, easier said than done. Don't know that it would work. The Niners, of course, traded three first-round picks for a young quarterback in Trey Lance. We'll get to that, of course. But the idea here is you have a genius offensive coordinator in Kyle Shanahan. You have a great staff. You have, right right now, uh, the most expensive running back in football in Christian McCaffrey, a wide receiver one getting paid like a wide receiver one in Debo Samuel, a top five tight end in George Kittle a top two left tackle in terms of money and play in Trent Williams, a first-round pick on Brandon Ayuk, multiple twos and threes used on players elsewhere uh, in terms of playmakers. This is a team that has invested so much in their offensive infrastructure, and right now their quarterback is the last player chosen in the draft, and they're one game away from a Super Bowl. So do you think this raises? The possibilities, even 1% or 2%, that a team might sit here and say, hey, we can keep all these other guys and go with a cheap quarterback and live to tell the tale. I'll raise you another one. I think the Eagles are another example of that right now. Sure. They are. They absolutely The are. Eagles are, I'm pretty sure, so the Niners are in this weird situation where I think spending to the cap, they're actually ninth in quarterback spending in 2022 when you combine Jimmy, Trey Lance, and mm-hmm. Brock Purdy. But the way they've restructured a bunch of their contracts, there are guys who have really low cap hits this year. Trent Williams, I think Kittle yeah. is in there. Fred Warner is in there. And they push them to next year because now with Garoppolo gone, I think he's like $13 million against the cap this year, they'll be down on that rookie quarterback timeline again. The Niners are very good at kind of moving the money around in that way and giving themselves a flexibility. So, But the Eagles, I think, are 32nd right now in quarterback AAV total in the entire NFL for like yep. 2023. Day two picks. I'll do it. <laughs> it is is Gardner Minshew making more or Gardner Minshew's a free agent next year, correct? Yeah, so that maybe that maybe that's it. Does but, he make more this year than Jalen Hurts? It's a very good question. I should ask a good question. I'm I'm pretty sure he <laughs> I'm does. On there right now. He's, he's in the final year of his deal. So he probably I got the probably uh does. the player bonus. He's probably making like two or three million and Jalen Hurts is making like I would guess six fifty or seven hundred pennies. Yeah, God, it's ridiculous when you rank it. Uh, oh, he's how... making significantly more than Jalen Hurts. Oh no! Can't wait so, to hear this. Gardner Minshew right now has oh, a two point five million dollar cap hit. Okay, yeah, the twenty twenty two Eagles. Jalen Hurts is at one point six, so it's almost a million dollars more that, that Gardner Minshew is making than Jalen Hurts. That's funny. God, that's going to change. Is my, my suspicion <laughs> next year? I, I also think that's going to change. I. I think it's fascinating. You and I have had this conversation in some form like 20 times over the last five to eight years. Do you think the Niners are a specific enough situation that would be a fool's errand to take anything from them in terms of what you can learn? Um, Not really. I mean, there's a philosophy there. Clearly, one of the other ones I was going to get to, I guess I can just hit that one now for the Niners, is... They're sort of the football equivalent to the free Darko positionless basketball idea, right? That you were going to have basically 
basketball teams that were just full of six, eight guys who could all shoot and play defense and play five positions. And it was just going to be this like block of athleticism that you were going to have to deal with. And I think the Niners, in terms of their playmakers, and in terms of even the quarterback when they had Trey Lance there, were that. They had guys who could run. They had guys who could run after the catch. They had guys who can catch the ball, line up anywhere. That's instilled in every one of their players. And so I think you have to really have a very clear idea of how you're going to invest and, of course, succeed when you actually do get those guys. But even acknowledging that Kyle is a difference maker in terms of that's what my, he can that's do where I'm, yeah, that's where I'm about to get to. <laughs> but, but, but if you have those weapons or you have those playmakers, yeah. I think that's going to take you at least part of the way. Right. All right, because well, so there's, there's a oh I'm sorry, but there's a difference. Make between your the Kyle Rams point, and, and then the I'll, I'll I'll go from there because my well, biggest lesson is about this. Yeah, well, yes. and I and actually talk about the position of players is what can be one of my lessons later. But uh, no, but I I I get what you're saying. I, I just it's like you got to have two of the three puzzle pieces, right? You got to have the surrounding sure. circumstances. Yeah. You got to have a play caller, and you have to have a quarterback. And I think that's always the some shape way shape or form the formula. Um, and I think that's it. Like because I think the Rams this year were a cool case study because I trust Sean McVay to put together some good game plans and mm-hmm. get the most out of his offensive players. And we saw that wasn't very pretty. And it, it yes. brings up to that. And so I think that's why the 49ers are, 49ers are just such a perfect, like Kyle Shanahan is the Rosetta Stone, one of the best play callers. I think it's just, it's not even a mm-hmm. question anymore. Like even the ones that have not liked him for years, that's not a question. But this team this this skill this explosive skill players i think that's mm-hmm. the two pieces that the big puzzle pieces of this formula or this puzzle uh that you want to put together i think the niners are in a position to do this but i don't think it's like it's like one one way to do mm-hmm. this as opposed to maybe a blueprint because oh for sure yeah yeah I'm but no I, I take it but like fine niners could go and get jacoby Brissett. And i'd be like yeah i'm fine with that <laughs> like because which is why it's like hilarious that, that they traded all these picks for trey lance <laughs> correct correct that, and right it, when they did it i was the, supportive yeah. of it so a buddy of mine it, when this trade happened he's like why would they do this you know they're going to nfc championship games with jimmy garoppolo and they've built this machine there in san francisco why would you give up all of this for a quarterback and my response and it's something i said a bunch at the time eventually the machine will diminish you right. can't keep all of these players. You can't ask the circumstances to be this good for this long. And they have thrown that right back in my face. Like they've, mm-hmm. it's gotten better. It's yeah. not that it's maintained. It's actually gotten better. So I, but I do think that they are in a pretty specific place where they can do this. And I think a lot of that is driven by Kyle Shanahan, who isn't just a good play caller. Like I think has separated himself as kind of like a, Maybe like a one of one type of play caller now. Like Andy Reid has Patrick okay. Mahomes, right? He does. You know and that's I, true. But and Andy Reid has some moments where you're like, "What was that?" Like <laughs> <laughs> Shanahan's more of like when to go out for it down as opposed to what he's doing schematically, so Stru- I, structurally I, I, within the so offense. I'm yes. agreeing with you, Robert. Yeah. I'm just yeah adding on. Uh, yeah. No, I, I agree so, with you. Two things I would say in terms of Nate's point. I agree about the Rams, but also they were starting five backup linemen, right? by the end of the season. And I think that's, it's going to be hard to make that work. Maybe you can, if you're Joe Burrow and maybe we'll get to that later on, but um, I think that's going to impact things. And also I think there's a sliding scale, right? Like it's not a binary thing where either you have a franchise quarterback and you're don't need anything else, or it's, you have a bum off the street or whatever Brock Pert, like you have the final pick in the draft. Like you may have, 
the ability to trade away that quarterback you've developed, like a Jared Goff after year three, for meaningful draft capital and use that first round pick Mm -hmm. on a quarterback. I, I don't think you would go into that philosophy saying, okay, we're taking this guy and then three years from now, no matter how good he is, like out the door, we're good. I think you have to be able to sit there after you, after year two and say, okay, we're okay with this, but we're not super excited. Like we might want to go in a different direction and then scout year three for quarterbacks and see if you have a guy you love in the draft who you can land. And then if you can make a trade to get that guy, then go ahead and do it. I, I don't think it's the thing where you say, you know, years in advance, we're going in this direction. I think you have to kind of be flexible yeah. as that quarterback's career goes along. Yeah. Ability to pivot. I, yeah. that That's what it is. Yeah. Ability to pivot. And this is that sliding scale comment, I think is so perfect because that's, I think what the QB discourse for the last few days is really, I think what everyone has to emphasize is that it is a sliding scale <laughs> and is that some of these guys, it's like, yes, they need some help. Every quarterback needs help <laughs> and some need more help. Some need less help. Some need a line. Some need uh, a tight end. Some need a ball winner. Some need a yak guy. Like they all need different things. And I think that's why I always can continue to come back. Sorry, this is just that dovetailing off to a different discussion, but is that with these quarterbacks is you treat them like NBA stars. Like you mm-hmm. put guys around them that make sense. And I think, yeah, yeah, the Niners are in that own unique world because they have the play car that kind of – they have Popovich kind of making sure all these guys get get open and get the right cuts and get to the right spots a little bit. But, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying, Bill. I think that Shanahan is the hardest part of this to replicate. If we're trying to create a blueprint out of it, there's only one Kyle Shanahan. The pass catchers thing, though, that to me is a blueprint. So my number one thing is we I think we now live in like an era of offensive weaponry. With the exception probably being Mahomes, where you can yank one of the best receivers in the league off that team and they can still be great. I think we've seen that over time. If you have a quarterback at that top, top level, like the best player in the league, he can elevate everyone around him. But everyone else, pretty much, I think has to be at least in some way elevated by their offensive weapons. And Nate, you and I have talked about this. I think it was you that said it. I agree with this. A great offensive line lifts your floor. (laughs) Great weapons raise your ceiling. And I think that's what we've seen from these teams. Look at three of these four teams outside of the Chiefs, okay? Pretty much all of their pass catchers, all of their weapons are top 35 picks or borderline top five players at the position in terms of pay. T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, both top 35 picks. Tyler Boyd was a second round pick. Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown, they traded a first round pick for him. He's paid like a top five receiver. Dallas Goddard is paid like a top five tight end. San Francisco. Debo has played like paid like a top five receiver. Brandon Ayuk was a first round pick. George Kittle has paid like a top three tight end. McCaffrey trade value total is like a mid first round pick if they're picking 32nd this year. Every single one of these teams has at least two, often more, high level guys that they've invested a ton in. And I last year, this is almost like an extension of one of the ones I had last year. Last year I was like, you need one of them. Now I think you need more than one. Like you that. just need an array of weapons watch the in Cowboys. order to, yeah, the, <laughs> watch the teams that didn't make it. Yep. The, the Cowboys, the what the Bills look like right now outside of Stephon Diggs. And this is something that I've really kind of come around on over the last couple of years where I used to think that the rarity of great offensive linemen was such that in the Chase Sewell conversation, I understood wanting to take the linemen in that mm-hmm. way. But I just think that elite pass catchers are now more important than singular elite offensive lineman and i think that what we have seen from this group in this final four 
is kind of like the nail in the coffin for that to me, just watching these teams and what it feels like. And the other side of it is as an accelerant for quarterback development. Like the the ability last year to have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins on the outside while Joe Burrow was becoming the guy that we see now. What A.J. Brown is and what Devontae Smith has been as ball winners for Jalen Hurts as he's kind of sifting through his own development. What those guys have done for these teams and the quarterbacks on these teams, I just feel like this is the way forward. And that's just kind of – I didn't feel that way two years ago. I really didn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still, it's still hard for me because it's just, for me, it's just, always just it's always just best player. <laughs> so it's, you can't have a good offensive line without starting with one singular good offensive lineman and you can't have a good receiving core without starting with one good singular receiver, you know? So like, that's where I, I have trouble with like kind of breaking that apart now, but I agree with you that it's the group of pass catchers. I think the Eagles is, you look at what the Eagles do with their guys and really that top three with Goddard in there having three guys, three weapons, three guys that can score. Uh, I'll just use like, uh, like think of it in basketball terms. Three guys that can win, like win. win on their own. Yes. You need a zone beater and you need, you need multiple guys that can beat zone and multiple guys that can beat man. It's just like in basketball. You need multiple guys that can shoot at the same time. You create space. And I agree with that and that you need more than one rather than just one. I think I, that Cowboys watching the, that Cowboys team, especially on Sunday and watching a kind of a slot only receiver that this is where the air was in CD lamb and then them have no other answers. And just watching this offense just get slammed shut is it's going to stand out to me that yes, like yes, Pollard is a nice weapon at running back, but you know, he did get banged up, but you just need something on the outside to compliment. You need both. It's just impossible to live in the world where you're only attacking one area of the field. So I agree okay. with you. That's, that's what I'm going with. I, I I would just say a couple things. I, you're, Nate's not saying this, so I'm not criticizing Nate here. But I think this is an aside, the sort of argument that the Cowboys, th- they don't have anything, but it's not like they don't have anything because Dak's making too much money. They have a running back making $15 million a yeah. year. They have a number two wide receiver making uh, $12, 13000000 million a year. They have a tight end on the franchise tag. Right. Like They have expensive players in those positions. They're just not that good. Right. Like That's not... That's that's my DAC, uh, <laughs> my DAC discourse contribution. Thank you. Um, but I would say a couple things to you guys' points. Number one, on the coaching side, maybe this is me being naive. I feel like it's easier for me to imagine a great offensive line coach coaching up several offensive linemen into being useful contributors. This is another one of my points. for me to imagine <laughs> a receivers coach turning, I don't know, J- James Thrash into A.J. Brown. You I know? 100% agree with I you. I agree with that. I, one of my lines, I'll just say right now, this was like a this was like a 1B I had from another point, but I said, uh, O-line coaches are the new money ball. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, just look at the four line coaches, just vets. They're all established, respected veteran offensive line coaches. I agree with yep. that, Bill. I, I think offensive line coach has more impact than I think receivers are more situation scheme proof as far as their coaching they're getting than offensive right. linemen are. Offensive linemen get more boost from their coaching than anybody else. Right. I, I, I had this exact point. It, it, it's can, awesome. you. Yeah. Can you can your offensive you can have a great offensive line coach elevate a group of average players to a yes. functional unit? You can't do that with skill position players. Yeah. So as part of this overall equation, do you have a plan to create surplus value from your weak link systems? And I think that's both on at offensive line and mm-hmm. in the secondary. Okay, with the offensive line, we've seen that from the Eagles for years. They turned mm-hmm. a fucking rugby player into a 
like high level left tackle. Yes. Every single guy and that never goes there as gets a roster better. spot because he was an international pathway player. It's like the most genius thing that's ever happened. He's all one international pathways of the new money. Yeah, that, yeah. Let's find some German receivers and draft them in the sixth round, like the Vikings. Like that's that's what, what Jeff Stalin do. does for that team is. You can't even quantify it, how valuable no. it is. And Andy Hack has done that in, in Kansas City. Yep. Trey Smith coming in there as a six-round pick. They've consistently done that. And then I think the flip side to that, also in Kansas City, can you do that with your secondary? Mm-hmm. So can you coach that system? There are only really two position groups that are a system, offensive line and the secondary in the same way. So can you elevate that system so it's more than the sum of the parts? And right. I think the Chiefs have done that in the secondary consistently. Think about the Chiefs defensive backs that they've gotten a lot out of that were young, undrafted, or lowly drafted players. Yes. Jalen Watson this year, Rashad mm-hmm. Fenton and Mike Hughes last year after yeah. they traded nothing for Mike Hughes. Legarius Sneed was a fourth-round rookie who was a contributor for yeah. them. Traverius Ward was an undrafted free agent. Like They just have so many of these examples because they've coached them up to that degree. So those systems of players on offense, defense, whether it's a secondary coach or an offensive line coach, can you elevate those groups and save resources there? Yeah. I, I think mm-hmm. that's huge. Huge. I that I agree with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. fully, I mean, even we've complimented the Bengals and how – they, I mean, honestly, mitigating getting Frank Pollock back. Yes. Frank Pollock was huge. I mean, looking at just that game last week, everyone's talking. Oh man, the Bengals' old line was they're not going to be able to block. None of those guys went to the wrong spot once, and the fact that's that slows them down and buys that after half second and pass protection, or just making the run game viable and just mm-hmm. getting just getting it to average, and that's that's worth their worth their weight in gold. You know, especially when the line line coaches usually all weigh two fifty plus, it's really valuable. <laughs> like, but but seriously, that they. <laughs> <laughs> they this matters like this like i i totally agree and the, bringing up the dbs is so that's so great robert that's uh, that's a great great example because like you said those are the most unit uh unit positions if that like mm-hmm. one edge player can do whatever he wants compared to the other three yes they can do other things one linebacker can do different than the other linebacker and just what they do but the watch safeties inter inter uh overlap each other and have to communicate same with offensive line stuff so no that's a that's a great great call and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct tv satellite free you see this a family watching baseball on direct tv with no satellite dish in sight let's heckle them you call that changing the channel choke up on the remote buddy i hope getting all these games on direct tv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds direct tv has the most mlb games call 1-800-DIRECT-TV Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. The other thing I would mention about sort of the impact of that idea about playmakers being so important in the modern game is that it changes the calculus of how you draft because the top of the wide receiver market is growing at a faster rate than the salary cap it's growing at a faster rate than the value of rookie deals Mm -hmm. and so 
much like quarterbacks, not to the same extent, obviously, not to the same extent as edge rushers, but now like wide receivers are more valuable than they were in the draft 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Like they become extremely, extremely valuable because look what happened I mean, last year's draft. Look at where those right. guys were taken. Yeah. I, I, I I think they're still undervalued. I agree. In the yeah. draft, frankly. I, I I think you're you're in a position now where I think the a wide receiver could be the first overall pick in a draft. Like obviously yes. you're not gonna take him over a quarterback, but I think now like there was a certain crop of positions. I think left tackle and edge rusher mm-hmm. were the only positions, and I guess running back when people didn't know what they were doing, but left tackle <laughs> and, and edge rusher were the only positions you could realistically see going right. one besides quarterback. And now I think wide receiver is in that discussion. If Jay, if Jamar Chase is in the Chase Young draft, if we can go back and do that right now, mm-hmm. he's number he's number one pick. There's no question. And and I mean, you're making I don't. But what was Jamar, Jamar Chase's deal? Was it like six million a year? Yeah, yeah something like Maybe? that. I think he's. Five? I think it's like nine this year, even in year two. I I don't think it's even that high. I, I I was looking it up for for a point I'm doing for TV tonight, which is like this is the be- best chance for the Bengals to win, right? On a channel sorry, I know uh, is on. Uh, no. <laughs> it's it's seven million. It's seven million this year. Okay. Okay. So he's making seven million this year. Like if he was free agent, he'd get thirty million dollars a year. Yes. Right. So like over yeah. the course of of, of, of that's a four years point. of his contract, he's making twenty eight million, and he's probably worth about one hundred twenty million. So you're yeah. making about ninety million or so in surplus. Like. I, that's what you make on a quarterback. That's yeah. really the only positions. Otherwise, you can make that sort and of pass rusher. Gap. I think it, the pass really, rusher. really good and pass rusher. I have Those to reevaluate that. That's a great call because of the Hill and Devonte Adams deals. Like it's just that whole market's got reset when Mike Williams is making and, twenty mil. You know, and and, and and it's not going down. No, like it's not going back. No, and the cap keeps going up too. But that yes. talk about you're talking about the number one receiver too. And God, this is. No, this is great because the trickle down of that is now secondary receivers. Mm-hmm. Christian Kirk's making seventeen million. Wouldn't you rather have Jahan Dotson, you know, in the late mm-hmm. first round? I mean, that's surplus mm-hmm. right there. Like, I and mean, that I, you asked me five years ago, would I take mm-hmm. a second receiver in the first round? I would have been right. laughing so hard. Like, no way. Wait until day two. Are you kidding? Now it's like, yeah, I get it. Like, if the, it makes sense. It makes total sense. What if, what if the Eagles had AJ Brown first and then they drafted Devontae Smith? I, I, right. Like, if they flipped that. Now I'd be like that. That's brilliant. <laughs> that's brilliant. Right. Loaded up. That's what I'm no, saying. You're not going to find and, a second guy as good as that on the market, right? And there's an impact now also on tight ends, which we saw. Yes. Uh, I forget whether this came up on your guys' podcast. It did. I we talked about Hawkinson. It. Yeah, Hawkinson's the example, right? Yes. Like that tight end class is now undervalued because they're making so much less than similarly talented wide receivers. That's one of my points as well. What's your What's your net first one, Nate? We haven't oh, even got man. to you yet. Yeah. I, <laughs> sorry. I got no. I got you guys. Kind of like touched on a couple so i don't know what to lead in I, i'm trying to learn from the segue master over here so i'm going to go with uh okay so versatility in your offense so we talked about this and, and really in being in the same personnel group and being yep. able to attack defenses is i think it doesn't have to just be one like 12 personnel 11 whatever works for your team you have to have that everyone is basing out of 11 personnel that i mean almost everyone has more than half their snaps but you have to have that second personnel grouping to how you can attack defenses. The Bengals are an exception. No one runs. They basically are exclusively 11. But the 49ers have their death lineup, 21 personnel. Chiefs have Even what the Bengals per- are doing with Jamar Chase now, though, it's different than the 11 moving they ran into last the slot. year. And where, that's, that's where, important where, where, to point where out. He's, he's in the backfield. Yeah, getting, moving to the slot. up against Tremaine Edmonds one-on-one. Chiefs in 13 personnel. Eagles in 12 personnel. They lead the NFL and EPA per play out of 12 personnel. They're in it more than 20% of the time. I think that 
is you have to make defenses are so astute and the data they have, who goes what, where, who's, who's onto the field. Okay. Zach Pascal's in the game. Okay. They're running the ball, you know, like they, or the running back is kicked strong. Okay. This means this, this, and this, there's more data than ever. And coaches are smarter at going through that data. So having guys that can play all three downs and not just your 11 personnel, but that other guy, your best five and with some way, shape or form, I think all teams have to have to find that. And this was kind of my second point with this is tight ends and fullbacks unlock so much for the offense. Mm-hmm. Not everyone can trot out. Like I said, the 11 personnel that the Bengals can with, with Tyler yes. Boyd and all that and Hayden Hurst being a damn good tight end as well, or at least a useful guy. But mm-hmm. yes, some of this could be attributed to Kelsey and Kittle being pretty good, but the surface is presented as a run game. Um, remember, you know, diverse, diversifying run looks, I think, is a key mm-hmm. part of this. But personnel and play calls, not going to see those crazy DB, DB looks if you have more tight, mm-hmm. tight ends on the field. Um, you're mm-hmm. creating matchup advantages. But if you look, these of these four teams – 12 and 21, that pro personnel. That's what uh, NFL teams consider this. EPA per play. Eagles are first. Chiefs are fifth. 49ers are sixth. Uh, those looks. 12 and 21 success rate. Eagles are first. Chiefs are second. 49ers are sixth. 12, 21, and 13 EPA per play. I get the Bengals in here now. They're 15th, but they're in the top half of the league. All the other, all the other three teams are in the top five in all those right. metrics. They have found those ways to get the best out of it and make defenses basic or make the defenses guess and not yes. and not be able to tee off on them. And I think that this matters and this is tying into just being more versatile with each player and more positional positionless. And I, I think the 49ers are the prime perfect example with their death lineup. But I think just coaches are smarter with using these guys. I think F tight ends that are more not really great blockers are getting used better than ever. I think coaches like Evan, Evan Ingram. Ingram is Evan Ingram is the perfect example. But coaches have stopped going, hey, you're a crappy blocker, but guess what? You have to block the DN and down block them every single time. They're like, now, no, let's have them RPO. Let's have them block mm-hmm. across the formation. Let's have them on the backside. They're just learning. Like, they're not saying we have to man up every play like old coaches used to do. They're actually using them like intelligently and creating advantages with these guys. I think the receiver class is – this is also tied in. This is the last point with this is – I think just being able to that three down versatility for players is more important than ever offense and defense, but especially on offense. And I think that uh, uh, trickles down to running backs. I think watching CMC with this 49ers team and I think running backs able to play as many snaps as possible. Yes. That's always going to be primed and what you're looking for, or what you're really leaning on. But I think that's the value for that is more than ever because those guys are eating touches touches matter and eating snaps. If they're playing 40 something snaps and getting the ball 15 times, that's, you know, that's valuable, <laughs> especially if the yeah. defenses can't tee off on that. And especially you see this draft, there's some great three down backs, Jameer Gibbs, Bajon Robinson, Zach Charbonnet. Um, but there's, I think that position and being able to, you being a true three down guy that can pass, protect, receive and run the ball like that is there's so much value with that. So finding that personnel grouping and also just positionless football. And I think that's, yes, it's idealistic, but I think there are lessons to take from these teams. Well, this isn't, I mean, you're not saying this is a new thing, no, but it is like, this reminds me so much of the Patriots, right? Yeah. Like this is a, this is a, a Patriots thing where yes, in 2007, they could spread you out with four wideouts yep. and they were going to win either way because they had and they go two tight ends and toss the ball to Aaron Hernandez. Same right. place, yes. They, they were right. running the same, same plays place. in 2011 right. that they were in 2007. Still Hoss yeah. wide right. juke. It's just Aaron Hernandez instead of Wes Welker. Correct. Right. But I, I guess what I'm saying is I think you have to have 
a, not only a secondary grouping, but really a primary grouping that makes the defense wrong no matter how they choose to defend it. Yeah, personnel that's a good And I think the Niners are the perfect example of that, right? Because if they come out with a death lineup and it's it's CMC, Juszczyk, IU, Kittle, and Debo, like, you're going to stay in base? You're going to go to nickel? Right. Like, 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 there's no right solution. Right. And so I think with your primary setup, unless you're the Bengals and you just have two top 10 wide receivers and a quarterback who's perfect. And by the way, Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon are also pretty incredible too. They're number one, I think in my playmaker rankings this year, like, like you have to have a grouping that is going to make the defense wrong no matter what. I think if you're going to be a top tier offense, because you can come out and line up anyway. Yeah. That doesn't be anything particular. Those guys could be in the huddle that that def lineup in 21 they literally could line up in any five positions when they walk out yes. there. You have no idea what the formation will look like, even if you know who the players in the field are going to be. It's insane. It's just insane. absolutely no, ridiculous. And, and that's what, and like you got, like Bill, you just said, was that it's not new. Like everybody wants to do this. I think it's just more feasible than ever absolutely. to do it because of yeah, the yeah. skill sets of players and coaches that are more creative than ever and willing to try this shit rather than just going, no, we have to grind them, grind them to a pulp running duo over and over. I, I think too, is that like, we look at the Eagles, they go 12 personnel. The advantage of that is, oh, all right, you want to go single high and load the box and stop our run game when we're in 12 personnel? We got AJ Brown, Devontae Smith on the outside. Good luck guarding us one-on-one. Okay, now you want to go too high? We got the best offensive line in the league. We're, we'll just grind you to a pulp. Like that is... That is like just like you said, making defenses wrong by without doing anything, not getting in some special personnel grouping, but looking the same. I mean, that is just impossible to defend. And that's what all these guys, all these teams have that version. The Chiefs is the 13 personnel. All right. We have Blake Bell and Noah Gray in the game now. All right. You're, oh, you're matching with Nickel because Travis Kelsey's in the game. Well, here it comes. You know, just run it right down your throat. But if you want to get heavy, all right, we're going to pass it. Now we have Travis Kelsey running an over route against a linebacker, just <laughs> always making the defenses wrong. I didn't have this one, but it was kind of like a secondary one. The run game is is back, baby. That's I mean, my that was my number one one. Yes, <laughs> go, let's let's do it. Let's do okay. it because I I think that if you look at all these teams, I they they can run when teams make them run, and it yep. feels like that is crucial at this point. Yep, you have to find a way to run the ball, but it's not the sheer stats. I even had like a little joke written here, and I and it was like, and Bill, you know, if you look. I know you like basic counting stats, Bill. So Chiefs and Bengals rank 20th and 29th in team rushing yards this year. So what are we talking about that? You have to run the ball. You have to run the ball <laughs> efficiently. And the rush to success rate, all these teams were 40% or better. Better than league average, 39.7. Bengals were 8th. Chiefs ninth. Eagles 1st. 49ers 11th. 6th since the CMC trade. Bengals are 3rd since their week 5 changes. All of them in the top half in DVOA. 49ers are 2nd. Since the CMC trade, Bengals are fourth overall. Chiefs are ninth. Eagles are first. Okay. Mm-hmm. have to. It doesn't have to be one way. I think there was the meadow was the Shanahan run game. Okay, we have to have the Shanahan run game. Outside zone, outside zone. It's just what works for your personnel. The Bengals mm-hmm. is a diverse run game. The Chiefs get into heavier personnel, and they also do RPOs out of spread looks. QBs have the, or Eagles have the QB run game and the at you run game. And the 49ers with the Shanahan run scheme that they diversify. So now the second part of this is – you have to have an explosive pass game. I think oh, sure. that's the balance now. I think this quick hitting pass game, yes, there's some that matters, the package plays, the RPOs. Uh, you have to get chunks some way. The Bengals are kind of like an exception to this, but 
The league average for explosive passes was 13.8. We can call it 14, whatever. Bengals are like right at average. Chiefs are third, though. Eagles are second. 49ers are fifth. So I looked. There are 11 teams this year that met both thresholds, 40% run success rate and better than average explosive play rate. Eagles, Bengals, Chiefs, 49ers, Bills, Jaguars, Dolphins. And then the other four were the Falcons, Raiders, Panthers, and Lions. But what I think is more important is that six of those teams made it to the next round. They won one game or had the first round by. Six of the eight had met both of those thresholds. The Cowboys just missed it and the Giants just missed it, both of them. Seven of the eight divisional round teams had a rush success rate of 39% or higher. Cowboys were at 38.7. So almost all eight of eight. And I think that is what it, that's what it is. If defense was want to present this, and this is what the three down versatility of the backs comes into play, defenses want to present and play this way, make it hard on us. This is how you have to attack them. You have to run the ball and hit chunk plays on them some way, shape, or form. And I think all these teams found their formula. And I think that's that's the key to success of playing offensive football in 2022 and now 2023 and beyond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I certainly think that's the case. I mean, what it reminds me of to some extent are the Saints, where the Saints had yeah. super efficient rushing attacks during their peak mm. years. And it wasn't like they had incredible running backs and incredible offensive linemen, but teams were terrified of them throwing, and so it opened up opportunities for them in the running game. Right. And that that balance of we're going to throw a fair amount, but we can run efficiently when we do run is is always going to be the back and forth. Like, yes. like you know, the Chiefs are never going to be uh, a wishbone team with right. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid under center, but can they be efficient when they need to run? When and this is going to come up, I'm sure, when you guys talk about the the game up this coming week, when they get a four man box from the Bengals on third and three again, like they did uh, last AFC Championship game, are they going to try to throw through it? Or are they going right. to absolutely let themselves run for a first down? Because that's what they should be doing. And I think I think we're seeing more teams, more of the pass friendly, pass happy teams. Except that they're going to be running in those situations as well. Yes. Yeah. No. I, I, you're making the defenses respect it because they're so coverage based now, and it makes it, we we talk about Robert. The best offenses are getting the first down on first and second down. This makes it easier for that. So you get five yards on first down. Well, that makes it second and five. That makes everything easier there. We get two yards on second down. Third and three. Third and three is way easier than third and nine. Third and eight. Third and ten. Converting in short yardage and staying efficient there, churning it first downs, first downs, first also, downs. Yes. Also, if you're going for it on fourth down, third and three is a lot less scary because you have Correct. two plays to get there. the Eagles. That's another thing. Oh, I know. Eagles, Eagles like third and eight. You can see defenses are t- terrified there because usually the old game would be make it, check it down, mm-hmm. rally and tackle. It's fourth and mm-hmm. three. They're going to punt. Now against mm-hmm. the Eagles, it's like, well, shit, they're going for it. And they, they, <laughs> they're going to 2019 Ravens felt. It's a, where, yes. where you, yeah. if you just know that you're, it's going to be two downs because of how comfortable yep. they are with the quarterback run game. And, and it's so funny back then watching teams celebrate when they got to fourth and two. And it's just oh, like, they hold the so fast, fist. my friends. <laughs> they so hold fast. the fist. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. My favorite also, part about this, Nate, is that yeah. – sorry, I want, the one thing I wanted to point out, you talk about not having an efficient run game, not explosive run game. The Bengals are dead last in the amount of 10-plus – Yard rushes sure. they have they, this season. Dude, the Chiefs are 26th. They got those plotting runners, man, but they're they're getting five every time. They're five yards. They stay ahead of the chains. No, but the, the Bengals yeah. are such an anomaly with so much of the stuff. It's just pure efficiency with barely any explosive plays, which is it makes just sense so, though. It is. That's that's what's led them to this, to this win streak. I mean, yeah, it's it's just so different mm-hmm. from they were last year. <laughs> it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh 
Do you guys know who the first down cheat code coach is? The guy who has had best first down offense pretty much every year he's been a coach or coordinator? Shannon? It's Kyle Shanahan, yeah. who had like like a like a number one first down offense, like a top three first down offense with Rex Grossman as his quarterback. <laughs> I just remember the sixteen Falcons were like ridiculous. Sixteen yeah. Falcons were the best first down offense in the NFL history. Okay, yeah. like, I, I like we don't have numbers going past a certain period of time, but if we infer based on how effective they were, like they're the best and, first down offense we've ever seen. Oh wait, oh nine Texans, like teams like that, where you just look at it, right. and you're like how the fuck is the DVOA so high? It's just like right. you look at the first down of total. Sure, like, they oh, I know. <laughs> right. They, they, well, that's, and it goes into, that's just their whole philosophy is Kyle Shanahan spends less time on third down. I, I don't want to speak for him, but just my experience around him is that they spend a little bit less time on third down than other teams do because they emphasize so much on first and second down. And it makes sense. That's why, that's why almost why I want to see Dak Prescott in a Shanahan offense because it's like, just let, let Shanahan do all the work on first and second down. And then Dak, you could do all the protection stuff on third down. Perfect. It's a perfect marriage. But that's where, because once they get the third down, it's just point shoot. It's just, uh, this guy's going to be open. If he's not open, okay, uh, sorry. Like, that's kind of how they go about <laughs> third, third and fourth down for their quarterbacks. Barrow, what's your next one? Oh, gosh. Like, like I, I'm, I'm past a list where we're actually going through things. I feel like we have different, we've talked about different parts of like eight different ones Same. I had listed. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me do an Eagles one here. Okay. Um, hmm. <laughs> Let's go with. Do we want to make fun of the Saints or do we want to make fun of the Dolphins? Who would you rather make fun of in this scenario? Oh, Saints Both of their fun. fan bases scare me, so yeah. I, I'm, I'm not sure which way I'd want to go with that. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go with the Saints. I would say take advantage of desperate teams. <laughs> ah, yeah. The old Bill Belichick staple right. of have more faith that. Yeah, the team you're trading with does not know what they're doing or is more confident in their success than they should be. And it didn't impact them this year. So I guess this is cheating. But the Eagles having a top, what, if that, that pick is five? Where is that pick? Ten. End? Ten. Yeah. Oh, if they, yeah. they Saints, Saints went a little. Ten. Yeah. <laughs> they went a little run. Yeah, to deny the Eagles. But you get the idea. Like, yes. they made a trade that did not hurt them very much and ended up getting significantly in their favor and added a significant asset to their roster because they were willing to be patient. They said, hey, we would love to have a first-round pick this year, but we need to think about the next three or four years, not just this season. And I think the Dolphins side of it, which is maybe more relevant to this particular team, is don't be overconfident in your your pre-draft tiers and pre-draft evaluation because even if you think a guy's going to be a star, like, History tells us that it's better to have more shots, at, at, especially like premium shots at the draft than settling for or, or insisting on one particular specific guy. And I think this Eagles-Dolphins trade yeah. is the deal I'm talking about, where they had the sixth overall pick. They desperately needed help at wide receiver. Nobody, zero people would have faulted them for staying put uh, before they made the trade. They made the trade the same day as the three-way trade, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah so they, they could have, they didn't know, but they had an idea that Jalen Waddle would be there at six. And instead of doing that, they moved down. They moved down from six to 12. They got an extra first-round pick. They moved back up slightly on draft day and still got Devontae Smith. Now, I think Jalen Waddle is better than Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith's been balling out the past few weeks. He's pretty great Devontae Smith's awesome, though. He's Devontae awesome. Smith but, plus a first-round pick is better than Jalen Waddle. Yes. That's, that's, that's the yes. point, is that the... <laughs> <laughs> the first round pick the Dolphins had yeah. gave them 
there was a trade involved, but it eventually turned into Jordan Davis. So right. would you rather have Jalen Waddle or Jordan Davis and Devontae Smith? And I think when we think about these trades and scouting and drafting and and how hyper focused team teams get on particular players, I think the Eagles, who of course are a particularly analytically quantitatively inclined organization, I think they're smart to say, well, we're not that good. Like we are not we we can't tell the difference between Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith before the draft. They could both be great. They could both bust. Let's get an extra first round pick for not making that decision. And I think that is something that I hope other teams don't do because it's going to be an advantage for the teams who do do this kind of stuff. But I'm afraid that there are far more teams like the Eagles these days than there are like the Saints. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, you got to find the sucker. That I mean, anybody want Hollywood Brown for for a first rounder? Like that that's oh, another you know, like dangle that one too. Like you know for the for the Cardinals. Uh, no, I I totally agree with that. I think that's I I like what you're saying there. Is like oh, is there much difference between Waddle and Smith? And that's the thing. It's like there's so much that goes into where people are like, oh, I have this guy as receiver two and this guy receiver three. Tear it. Group these guys together because that's how, just like in a fantasy draft. I mean, that's how teams look at this. They're like, we have these four guys with the same grade or near in the same grade. Okay, get the best of the bunch. That's how the smarter teams, I think, do go do go about it. So, mm-hmm. I no, I totally agree with that. Uh, it's the uh, that's uh, no, that's funny. I, I I'm just remembering our mini takes episode we did together, Barnwell. Right? <laughs> Talk about the Saints. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Can I also just bring up another one quickly? Related of course. To yeah. Howie Roseman. He's not as good as he looks right now. And he wasn't as bad as he was two years ago when everybody wanted to fire him. Like, 
like just a just a general rule just chill like like if you're in love with somebody like brandon bean is kind of getting some heat right now for some not all that great drafts he was the genius two years ago like these guys are good but they're gonna have stretches where they look bad they're gonna have stretches where they look like geniuses like always take everything good or bad with a grain of salt with these guys because you're basing your opinions on like two or three draft picks meaningfully given that how unlikely late round picks are to pan out like right it's just the 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 margin between these guys looking like geniuses and looking like idiots is so slim so just be patient we take we take 100 years to do presidential rankings yeah Uh, (laughs) so say four-year terms the the nature of even judging a general manager based on the strength or weakness of his draft classes i think is just a silly way to do it I want to look at these guys in terms of how much of an advantage are they consistently creating for their teams. And I think that if you look at Philadelphia financially, like what they've been able to do with the cap and how they manipulate it consistently and still give themselves this wiggle room to have all of these guys, they do a really good job with it. The Niners are the same way. I'm sitting here looking at the Niners salary cap for next year Mm -hmm. and wondering how the hell are they going to do this? With all the, they're paying Trent Williams twenty-seven million against the cap next year, and all this, and they have sixteen million dollars in cap space right now. Yeah. But before they even do anything for next season, and I think there are teams that consistently they just turn over every rock, whether it's mm-hmm. salary cap wise, resources, where are we looking for players? Those are the good front offices, and I do think the Bills have done a good job with that. They've just failed to find truly elite guys in the draft since Josh Allen. So if your front offices operate that way. I think that's your best chance to put yourself in this sort of position. And I think the Niners and the Eagles are really good examples of that. Yeah. Find your red paper clips. That's, yeah. that's really, that's what it is. I mean, no, that's great. I love that you brought up the 49ers too. And that also helps that when you nail on so many day three pick defensive players and they, you know, mm-hmm. that helps. Of course. Yeah, that helps. Of but course. no, I, I no, that's a good point. I have a, oh, I, oh, I, I, I have a related point to that. Oh. Niners and, and late round picks. The Niners have another way they are arbitraging the league. They're getting all day three picks because people keep hiring their executives and coaches of color. They're going to yes. get four more this year, potentially. They they have they already have four. They they had three. They had one one in twenty one, yeah. two in twenty two. They get two more this year, and I think another one in twenty four. Wow. Is it more than that? Well, oh, they, they so get D'Amico. two more for Rand Carthen, first of yeah. all. They get two for uh, that's what I'm saying, the two for Rand Carthen. And then if D'Amico gets hired away, Rand. that's another two, and that pushes it even further out because that's what happened yes. with Martin Mayhew and Mike McDaniel. Yes. So so contextualizing that, it, they got 102, 102, 105 in the past. Let's just say five 102 picks. Mm-hmm. That's equivalent to a top five pick in the draft by the Chase Stewart chart. It's that's equivalent amazing. to um I think on the over the cap chart, it's kind of in that same ballpark. Even if you want to take the Jimmy Johnson chart, that's worth a mid second round pick. Like I mean, that's, that's an incredible huge. driver. Yeah. Just, and that's what five. They're going to get seven if, if Ryan's gets hired. And like that is, it should encourage teams. There's obviously yes. also the, the many other myriad reasons why teams should be hiring more diverse staff. It's better for you. It's better for the game. It's better for um, it's getting life. people who are qualified into roles. It's better for life. But if you just want to be selfish, you're going to get a ton of draft value out of it as well. So that's a, like a hidden way of the Niners where I know the Trey Lance trade is not something you'd go back and do. And it's not like it's it, they're independent things. But one of the ways they've been able to overcome that is having all this extra draft capital. Yeah, right. that's a really good point. I was thinking about that, too. 
and it just keeps stacking up. And the fact that it can be four more of them from this year's group of coaches and executives is huge. Is. And especially I mean, when you're trading away all these picks that they're trading away. <laughs> it's it's a great thing. I, I think what Bill said, it's, just, it's such a great thing. Like this is working how it should work. Like, and this is, it's a good thing because otherwise you just have the same old retreads as opposed to what, you know, like fresh ideas and fresh eyes on everything. I, I think that's a great point. I Mine's not as like, grandiose is that now it's kind of back i'm back to like scheme but i wanted to throw some defensive stuff in here so this is my last I got some defensive stuff let's, okay. let's go to the defense go ahead. okay i got a little defense yeah we got the personnel we got you know gms we had the offense i i'm going whether it's blitzing or bringing simulated pressures you have to have a diverse plan on passing downs against quarterbacks <laughs> that yep. is a very long it's way a, winded way piece of one of mine okay so we'll get we'll get there um, I think offenses now have gotten so good at, I mean, in general, there was a huge swing back the last two years, give or take, give or take two seasons. Um, offenses have so many now staple answers. The NFL becomes very distilled. Hey, they're running three match. Okay, we will run these five plays this week. Okay, they're running quarters. We have these five plays, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I think now because of that, defenses getting to the same coverages and the same what they want to do but in unusual ways, the unusual rushing for the simulated pressures. Um, getting a free runner is, of course, the goal in pressures. Just watch what the Bengals did to Josh Allen and the Bilzo line last week. But it's making QBs stay in the pocket while holding on the ball for three or more seconds. That is, that is, I think, the key is not let him get out of the pocket or not let him get all, uh, rid of the ball quick. If you can just do that, keep him in the pocket, hold on the ball with different angles of coverage, that's the way to go about it. And even looking at numbers-wise, 49ers and Chiefs are both above average and blitzes on third and fourth down. The Bengals are about average. The Eagles are below average. But the Eagles are top five in simulated pressures brought this year. The yeah. Bengals are 12th. So even if they haven't brought a ton of blitzes, they balance it out with the simulateds. And I think, too, is talking about positional versatility. This is a tying into the personnel. And Robert, we've talked about this on different shows. But it goes into, again, more like bodies for the defense, more tweener bodies, because inside linebackers have to be able to blitz. Edge types have to be able to have some coverage ability because they're dropping more than ever. And DBs have to be good blitzers, good coverage guys, have to be in the run fit. And those smart safeties, this was like a three bullet point one point, so just bear with me here. But smart safeties unlock so much with this as well. And that ties into safety play and how there are so many good safeties ran out. But Justin Reed with the Chiefs, Bates and Von Bell for the Bengals, CJ Gardner-Johnson for the Eagles, Safanga and Jimmy Ward. I know Jimmy Ward's nickel for the 49ers. But these guys, I've talked about how there's the adjuster on the offense, which is the F tight end, the fullback, the third receiver. These guys are the adjusters for the defense now. They are the the move pieces for the defense, these safeties that can play the slot, can play in the box, play deep. And that also unlocks the blitzing ability and how to confuse uh, uh, quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are just so, so good. But just watch Kyle Duggar. <laughs> if you want to know what I'm talking about, watch Kyle Duggar, watch Hifanga, and watch these guys run every coverage, every type of zone, every man match, and run every type of blitz. That's what these guys have to do now. And I think that's going to be a trend, again, as players become more versatile and more positionless. So I love this. Okay. Justin Reed, Von Bell, CJ Gardner, Johnson, those three guys that you just listed off. Mm -hmm. What is similar about those three players and how their teams acquired them? Yeah. They signed them all. They're all off the market. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they're all veterans that were either signed or traded for. And that was one of my points is that as we get to a place where you have to have this game plan heavy defense and you have to be flexible and you have to be able to deploy things week in and week out. Having smart defensive backs and veteran defensive backs 
that to me is almost is kind of an untapped market. Mm-hmm. Think about these secondaries on these teams and how they've been constructed. Darius Slay was traded for. James Bradbury was a veteran free agent. C.J. Gardner-Johnson was traded for. The Bengals' entire secondary is essentially built of veteran free agent signings. Mm-hmm. Von Bell, Mike Hilton, when Jadobi Wuzier was there, Eli Apple, Justin Reed with the Chiefs, Traverius Ward is a free agent, Jimmy Ward is somebody they kept on a second contract. Just hunting in those places for defensive backs specifically, because again, if it's a weak link system, you're just trying to plug holes. So yes. using free agent dollars to find smart, functional pieces on the back end in order to run some of these complex Mm-hmm. All over the place, flexible plans on defense. I think that there's something there. Yeah, I, I, I what you're saying, complex. It's it, it's just how the looks the offense can give you. It, it's so much communication and feel, and that's going back to your original DB coaches and O line coaches comparison. How much those guys have to pass off and say this, like you're doing this, communicate. Hey, rotate down. Hey, we're in box. We're doing this, this, and that against this offensive look. That's why intelligence is more than ever. Hafanga, I know people are like, wow, he's just so instinctive. That guy, you can tell, watches so much film because of how that guy just tees off on things and reads things. Think of the pick six against uh, the Rams uh, earlier in the year. Like that, that those are smart plays. Kyle Duggar against the Raiders. So like I'm never two Kyle Duggar mentions and he's, they're not even, they didn't even make the playoffs, the Patriots, but yeah, well, yeah, there we go. But that's exactly it is these guys. It's not just speed. It's not just, it's being balanced in a play as far as coverage ability, tackling, but intelligence, 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 intelligence. And that comes with coaching and also just how these players play. Nate, I have a question for you. Yeah. It's not fair to ask you this with oh, no. no notice. Oh, no. And and I don't know. It's totally unrelated to this topic. But just thinking about all the stuff we're talking about here, do you think the league schematically is more homogenous now than it was 20, 25 years ago? Yes, I do. It is. I think so. Why do you think that is? I think it just got distilled down. It became from three kind of families have become like the main families of the 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 offenses, I would say. There's only a couple of unique one-offs, I think. Greg Roman had one, even though his sure. he came from one family uh, of how they verb how they, what verbiage they use. Um, I think it's definitely way more homogenous. I think back in, you know, say even when my dad was a head coach in the early two thousands, like I mean, there's so many different ways that you went about it. I mean, there's Peyton about doing- LeBeau versus like Tampa two. Like, yeah. But back yeah. then, like defenses. they're watching those two yeah. types of defenses. Yes. And just uh, I mean, I, I think just like I think what now is coaches were more willing to share what they share. Now coaches mm-hmm. are more, more willing to talk. These younger coaches, it, there's more tape than ever. There's more people watching stuff than ever. So everyone realizes that it's better just to have a little bit of everything. And then you lean on to what everybody I think has is, is working from the same toolbox now or a lot of the same tools. And then they just pick them what they use, you know, what, what I'm going to use the wrench here, you know, <laughs> as far as like maybe an offense, I'm going to use the tight end here, like what the Cowboys do it. But I think, yeah, I think it's more homogenous than ever. Uh, that's how I feel. Anyways, I really feel there's like offensively, at least two main offensive systems right now. And then, you know, some offshoots of that. And then I think defensively, it feels like there's only two as well like that. And then the Patriot way. So maybe two and a half. So, <laughs> but I know I agree with you. Uh, or I, I, 
I would say yes is my short answer after I just spent 500 words uh, saying yes. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's what I wanted. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. No, no, no problem. I just, I just think it's people share more stuff now and people go, oh, you like it like that? Oh, that's good. That's good. Rather than guarding every, every, oh, we call that snag. Oh, don't tell them we call it snag. I, I, I was in a meeting with a Patriots <laughs> guy and they wouldn't even tell us what they uh, broke down third and long as. And it's like now it's no longer like that. Like it's just guys just talk now and I, in a good yeah. way. And I think that's why it looks how it does. The information is also just so much more accessible. Wait, like what you can pull up. I mean, I, any coach in the NFL can go to PFF ultimate or whatever database they use. And yep. it's like, I want to look up every play where the Niners used motion on third and seven while Kyle Ushek was in the slot. And you can exactly. pull it up in three seconds. Yep. That would have taken two days, 20 yes. years ago. <laughs> it was a lot of hours. I've having to hand crank some of those cutups, but like when I was at Pitt as a GA, yeah, the, those anything like that. I want every time the safety rotated down was one I had to do. Like uh, Landon Collins when he was in the draft, I want every time that he's a single high safety because he was so much a box player. Every time he's a single high safety, so I went through every single Alabama game and just tagged. <laughs> <laughs> tagged every time that dude was in the post and then i had to like have a find a caveat it's like what if they jet motion they're like just tag everyone i was like okay okay but that's what it used to be now it's just three clicks and i'm done <laughs> Barbara, do you got any more i mean i have a million more do you but, uh no i have a few more um <laughs> uh here's here's one for the eagles and this is not a new one but gonna hit it anyway the free agent market you see in February is not the free agent market you see in August. And this uh, yeah. is the James Bradbury story. Right. Because James Bradbury. Joseph. Which will involve Joseph Nadamon Kinsu. But, but I think Bradbury, I mean, like that was Joseph and Sue are fine. But Bradbury is like, we was my all pro team. Yeah. Like he, yeah. He's, he's having that, that kind of season for one year and $7 million for a guy who literally any team in the league with cap space could have got for a seventh round pick. Do you know what his cap, do you know what his cap hit is this year? He, I'm sure they use voidable year. So I'm sure it's like two and a half. It's $2 million. There you go. For an all pro corner <laughs> that was, anyone could have had. And, now, and he was, I mean, he was good. The Giants. That's why he was get. good. He yeah. was very good in yeah. 2020. He was still yeah. good last year. He was fine. But, but he's a legit starting NFL cornerback who was not on the market at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And one lesson is just, hey, save some money. Put it away. Put it in a sock drawer. You might need it come July. But number two, this is a lesson for me to trash the Chicago Bears, Robert May. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> do you know why? Do you know what my example here is? Trading for Chase Claypool? <laughs> it is trading for Chase Claypool. Yeah. Because... One of the arguments I heard from people who were very mad that I criticized the Bears trading for Chase Claypool is, oh, the wide receiver market coming up is terrible and free agency. We don't like there's no one out there when the answer is we have no idea who's, who's going it? to be out there available. Right. Yes. Who thought Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill were going to get traded? Yeah. That's what I said the day of the trade. I said, right. even if you say that there's nobody available with the 37th right. pick or there's nobody available in the free agent market, those aren't your only two options with the 35th pick in the draft. It can right. become a lot yes. of things. Yes, we have no idea what that's going to be. And so I think, like, I'm not saying leave holes on your roster and just say, ah, we'll figure it out in July. But I think be realistic about what you see around the NFL. And this is this is part of the job of being a GM yes. is looking at other League teams. League awareness. Saying, okay, yes. Right. Like, league awareness of what other teams' cap situations are in terms of how they manage their rosters, in terms of who's likely to come yep. available. Like, if you're 
if I can do that stuff, and I'm not perfect by any means, but I can do a reasonable job of it, I, I damn sure guarantee people with better intel than me can do it inside of the league. So I think that's part of the job that I think people don't necessarily see when they're approaching an offseason. If the Eagles win the Super Bowl this year, both of their Super Bowl winning rosters will involve trading for a defensive back in August. In 2017, they traded for Ronald Darby on August 11th. And I remember when they did it, I was like, this might be like the last piece of a Super Bowl talent, like caliber team. And people were like, really? I was like, yeah, I think so. And then, then they destroyed the league and won the Super Bowl. They traded for CJ Gardner Johnson on August 30th. Like this, they are never done trying to figure out what they can add to this thing. Yeah. That's how it is. Pieces of flair everywhere on the Eagles roster. <laughs> I, I, I love that. I love that when. Uh, during the Eagles broadcast this week, Moose Johnson was like, how did the Eagles get CJ Gardner Johnson for nothing? And I'm like, why do you think they got him for nothing, Moose? Like, what? why do you think the Saints just decided three days before the season that they didn't want to keep a guy around? What could have happened? What might have impacted the Saints thinking? Is there anything? Just because. They, they just wanted to give Howie a favor, you know? That's <laughs> that's that's exactly Howie. what it is. Howie, beloved around the NFL, I'm sure wanted. <laughs> I'm sure. I just wanted to do a nice, that's, nice it's so, But that's, that's such a great point, though, on how the NFL season is just in parts. I mean, it, uh, just think about your your quarterly awards bill and how much they change from every oh, four sure. weeks i mean it's it's ridiculous how much it's such a not only just a week-to-week league it's a kind of a quarter-to-quarter league and think about Dak. think about Dak and just <laughs> Dak's last two weeks <laughs> Dak went from oh my god this guy might be elite to trade him <laughs> in a week uh, but no that's but that just speaking to that is just that Team, the good teams are never done. The the Rams last year trading for Von Miller and, and getting OBJ like that that stuff like that just turn like it's all tying into turning over every stone and never being settled and not saying yes we're good enough like now we're, you're never good enough injuries yes. can happen. Bills lost Von Miller. Do you think they want some other pieces? But that's just how they're built. Like that's just that's just how these teams have to operate because uh, or the good teams have to operate is just finding those little hidden edges. This is the hidden edge. This is that one percent. Or if you signed a all pro corner, you know, <laughs> that, for, se- that's for more, seven million dollars. That, that that's more than one percent. That's uh that's a few more percentage points than that. Yes. The last one I had very quickly before we get out of here. Okay. Defensive lineman, kind of as the defensive version of what we talk about with the playmakers. Do not be afraid to throw resources at your pass rushing spots. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Defensive line spending to the cap this season. Here are the ranks of the five teams that are currently left in defensive line spending to the cap this year. Chiefs are first, Bengals are third, the Eagles are fourth, and the Niners are fifth. So four of the top five teams. And even that is skewed because Hassan Reddick is listed as a linebacker. Jordan Davis is on a rookie contract. Nick Bosa is still on a rookie contract. So the amount of resources that these teams have pumped into their pass rushing spots. Trey Hendrickson is a huge deal. DJ Reader is a huge deal. Uh, Sam Hubbard's on an extension. Chris Jones is on a massive extension. George Karloftis is a first-round pick. Javon Hargrave is a huge free agent. Fletcher Cox is a first-round pick. Brandon Graham is a first-round pick. Huge contract for Hassan Reddick. The Niners, obviously, you have Bosa. Even Ebukam is on like an $8 million a year deal. Like They've just pumped resources mm-hmm. at all four of these teams into those spots, and you feel it mm-hmm. when you're watching those teams right now. And that's, that's the last mm-hmm. one because I thought that was stark. In fact, the four of the top five teams are still the ones that are left. Who is the fifth? New York Jets. 
I mean, well, you can't I mean, win them all. That's <laughs> what it boils down to here on the Athletic Football <laughs> Show. But no, I mean, the Jets defense is really good. It was really good. Yes. It was really, really good. <laughs> it was a playoff caliber defense. No, it's that. That's a great one. Uh, uh, that that makes sense too. Is that I think there's a misconception that it's like oh. Not, I should say misconception. I think people are becoming more smart about this, but it's, oh yeah, it's just the four guys. It's just your starting four. It's like, no, you got to rotate these guys. Okay. Yes, you need an ace. You need, yes, the Nick Bosa's really help, but you need other dudes that to, you know, situational guys. You need first and second down guys. You need third down guys. You need designated pass rusher types. You need, you know, stout run types. I think that that absolutely makes sense because there's only so many guys that are true three down types and can rush the passer. So let's mm-hmm. keep them fresh. If they're going to be, I also, beat, yeah. I think that these using resources on these players, I do think that pass rushing ability and traits and numbers travel. I think it is more oh, yeah. predictable than other positions. If you look at the underlying pass rush metrics of the Trey Hendrickson contract, what Hassan Reddick was doing, all of these guys, they've traveled. Yeah. They have traveled when they've gotten bigger roles. So I think that that position has become easier to say, I know that guy's good. I'm going to spend a lot on him. Where and we I talk think about, we have a lot of examples of that. When we talk about coaching dependency in which positions, you know, yes, the 49ers are an exception because they kind of get a little boost from their guys, but those guys can be on an island and do what they want to yes. do a lot of the time. So it makes a lot of sense that travels. That's uh, that's the uh, Millsap doctrine. Yes. That, that's the, yeah. I mean, that's small sample size, you know, as the bigger, more reps they get, which is actually kind of holding true. <laughs> Nwosu is one of those. Uh, uh, yep. Yep, Obu from uh, the, what the Texans had a decent year. But no, same thing. That travels. That makes a, t- a lot of sense because it's always needed. No matter what your scheme is, rushing the passer and that types of stuff always matters. All right. Barnwell's got to go. <laughs> so that's all we got. You're kicking that, me off the podcast. That was fantastic. Really, really appreciate you guys doing that. Always love having the three of us together and just shooting the shit. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. Hope you guys also enjoyed it. We will be back a little bit later this week. Me and Nate will with our conference championship game preview, which I'm very excited about. So please come back and check that out. Barnwell, where can the people read you, listen to you, all that good stuff? Uh, ESPN. Various ESPN entities. Uh, if you put on ESPN 24-7, I will be on eventually. If you go to ESPN.com, I'll eventually show up. If you listen to every ESPN podcast, eventually mine will, mine will pop up. Uh, but but uh, obviously, please continue to support these fine men as they uh, they labor their way through the remainder of the NFL season. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thank you, man. That's all we got for today. Please subscribe to the podcast if you have not. Please rate and review the show if you haven't. A lot of you guys have left Apple Podcast reviews. I really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to, I would consider it a personal favor. It would mean a lot to me. So please go do that if you have not and you like the show. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. We do be doing live recap shows every week. We will do one on Sunday nights. They've been a blast, so come hang out after those games. In the meantime, really appreciate you guys listening. We will talk to you soon. Hey, Nate, who was the worst member of the NWO? This was the Athletic Football Show. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10 
$10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.